you unlock this podcast with the key of imagination. Beyond it, it is another podcast. A podcast of sound. A podcast of humor. A podcast of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into... Something old, something new, something borrowed, something brewed. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as smooth. The Twilight Zone is like four syllables. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just speed that part up. Yeah. Welcome back to Something Old, Something New, Something Borrowed, and Something Brewed. Uh, I'm Andrew J. Pytel. I'm Nick Lancaster. And our guest this week is... Jane Spencer. Ooh. (laughs) Recently married. Yes, and I just wrote um, to somebody today, and I called Brian my fiancé, and I didn't even call him my fiancé while we were engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Taking steps back. You should should call him your ex-boyfriend. Now husband. Yeah, that I, is technically I true, I guess. <laughs> to make you didn't make him not your boyfriend anymore. <laughs> just a very, very long thing by the end. People just walk away backwards <laughs> slowly. <laughs> so at time of recording, it is ten in the morning on Friday the thirteenth. So things might get a little weird. This is the scariest experience I've ever gone through in my life. About twelve hours earlier in the day than we're normally doing this and <laughs> Something brewed today might be coffee. Yep. Um, so let's see. Let's kick this off. Nick, um, what did you, what's the old you got for us today? All right. So this week I'm bringing in um, Seven Swans by Sufjan Stevens. Uh, it's a 2004 album. Mm-hmm. We're breaking into the mid 2000s, I yeah. guess. Moving slowly out of 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I brought this in because. Um, well, it's it's a fantastic album, but also it is an album that I tend to listen to around this time of year. Um, it's like kind of melancholy and sparse, and I associate that with fall and mm-hmm. fall weather. Oh. And so, yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> with my pumpkin spice latte and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I figured cool. I'd bring that one in. Um, do you want to just jump into a... a a clip real quick and then we can talk about it yeah let's set the scene let's set the tone all right let's just i mean let's start with the first song on the album uh all the trees of the field will clap their hands by sufian stevens all right well i hope you enjoyed that yeah uh, now that you're sufficiently <laughs> mellowed out yeah so this is yeah this is the opening track on the album and it, it really does set the tone for the album because it is this whole album has so much religious imagery in it and uh i'm assuming that sufyan's like a religious person but i can't really 
he is an enigma of a person. Yeah, and, and this album is definitely, the songwriting has specific Christian elements used in the songs, but it's not necessarily in any sort of like praise be kind of way. Yeah. So it's hard to tell from this if it is a, like, I don't know if I would call it a religious album. It would be like just taking the, the literature of the book as the, uh, as the items that are being talked about here. It's got to be hard as a Christian artist to, um, because they they say that you should write about what you're thinking about. And if you're Mm -hmm. religious deeply, then you're probably thinking about it a lot. And then it's, it's kind of like one of those, one of those things where people say, I hate country music before they've even heard the song. Mm -hmm. If you say you're a Christian artist, people pretty much just put a, a blanket veil on you of what they assume you're going to sound like and yeah, they just soundtrack. say, I don't want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, and I think it, it's also a thing where like a lot of contemporary Christian music is mm-hmm. like overtly like like praise band stuff that you play on yeah. Sunday mornings that's just like really hammering the message over your head yeah, a little not bit. Every, and not everyone can be as artistically delicate as Creed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah... Th- you're not going to walk into a church like around here and hear Sufjan Stevens being sung mm-hmm. with like the group congregation. Cause it's a lot more subtle than that. It's I don't a know, lot maybe a really cool church. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys know, really if, any, church. if anyone knows where that church is, that just does Sufjan covers all morning. in someone's basement. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll get really baked first. That'd be like a really great basement show thing, like basement church. And it's all just like Sufjan songs. <laughs> it would be so cool to go to a basement show that was a listening party that where, where people would just uh, sit around and have a, a listen to an album and totally get immersed in it. I would love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so good ideas. Yes. Uh, lyrically. Oh, this is a tough one. Cause it's like, it's, it's dense with like Bible verses mm-hmm. and like, there's really specific lines that, uh, like all the trees of the field will, will uh, clap their hands is apparently taken from Isaiah fifty five twelve, mm-hmm. and I think this song is like partially apocalyptic. Like I think it's it's him accepting that. Uh huh. It's um, to his stage of grieving. What acceptance? That's kind of seems like where he always kind of lies is that soft melancholy. Um, acceptance and even as fast songs even as electronic album they all kind of have the same feeling in them even if they don't sound the same yeah, that like bittersweet element of like oh yeah everything's terrible but i'm okay with it and yeah it's just like kind of like a positive outlook but well, being yeah. aware the last few lines of this of this song are uh i'm throwing all my thoughts away i'm destroying every bet i've made i'm joining all my thoughts to you and preparing every part for you so it's like He's pretty much accepted it, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what he's trying to get at here. Nice. Um, yeah. Moving on. I don't want to just go down the track list. <laughs> but yeah. uh, my other... I'm, I guess I'm just going to do like a highlights of my personal favorite songs. Sure. Um, I really like The Dress Looks Nice on You, which is the second song on the album. <laughs> Next but, highlights are each song. <laughs> <laughs> In sequential order. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's play a clip of that. Nice. So if if you're at all familiar 
with Sufjan's body of work, especially after this album, I think you'll notice that this one is significantly uh, more stripped down uh, compared to other productions of his, like uh, the Illinois album or Mm -hmm. the Michigan album. Uh, This is pretty much just a dude and his acoustic guitar and banjo. Um, I think I read somewhere, I don't know who said this, but I heard somewhere someone say that like he basically recorded this album with a bucket of SM57s, which is, (laughs) if you don't know, just like a consumer grade, like really reliable and decent microphone, but it's just like nothing special, Mm -hmm. like nothing, you know, super expensive, like a hundred bucks a pop. But I think that kind of shows on this album with its stripped down kind of intimate quality. And this song is a good example of that. But the song is also a good example of like uh, instrumentation that I think it kind of leads into where he's going musically. Because like there's a part in uh, The Dress Looks Nice on You where there's like a little sort of church organ synthesizer breakdown. I I, I say breakdown like it's, you know, like a bass (laughs) dropping, but it's just like a B section. And it's, it's interesting. It seems almost out of place in the instrumentation of it but like when you contextualize it with the rest of of Sufjan's work it doesn't it doesn't seem out of place as much as just like a very raw um like a raw production idea but like he hadn't really figured out how to thematically combine them quite yet <laughs> it kind of seems like how a lot of the album is is that he's it's almost like his first time running through it mm-hmm. and that just like i'm just gonna sing these songs and if a little organ solo comes to me come what may yeah (laughs) yeah but the lack of uh like experienced hard grinding in the industry production and editing kind of feel to it is i think part of what makes it so appealing definitely it would be pretty easy to take some of these songs that i think are nice to listen to and interesting and, and complex and actually with a quote-unquote better producer make them less interesting and like just sort of create a blander tone out of it by a higher quality i was doing air quotes nobody can see that (laughs) (laughs) i hope you can hear it in my voice higher quality uh, production (laughs) the way that he sings it kind of feels like somebody like if you're at a party or something where it's like, hey, I wrote this song. Do you want to come listen to it? And then he just kind of sings it for you almost nervously and kind of with some self-doubt almost. And it, I think one of the reasons why he's so endearing is that it sounds like he's singing it directly to you and everybody can kind of feel a personal relationship with it because it doesn't have that high quality um microphone or anything like that it's it just sounds like you, you know exactly what you, you saw, would you be saw, getting it sounds into. like you're in the room with him and it's yeah just... <laughs> the live show would be probably very similar or very different i'm not sure maybe it would be totally different because he would be just feeling it in that moment right it would be a 15 minute organ solo <laughs> he's just got like his little kmart casio keyboard to his side the uh, the tinkling that you're hearing right now is my cat who's <laughs> climbing me. <laughs> yeah, 
I think I think uh, my cats are definitely used to us recording later at night. And now that there's people here early in the morning, they're just like, what's going on? Yeah. And I've never had a cat put both of their arms around my neck, just <laughs> yeah. like like in a hugging style. Oh, uh, that's it how did she the same do. thing to me. Like <laughs> twenty minutes ago. <laughs> and she won't stop, and she's so cute. <laughs> but it's like we're recording. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it brief because uh, I I do want to hear what Andrew and Jane have to say about their album. So uh, I'll do a couple more songs of Sufjan's. Maybe we'll do like a rapid fire thing. But the next one I really want to talk about is Abraham, mm-hmm. which is which definitely not biblical. No, not at all. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> definitely not. Pretty sure it's about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Defin- when Abraham Lincoln was going to sacrifice his son to, <laughs> yes. to the Union. Spoilers. <sighs> then George Washington came down and said, no. <laughs> all right. Here is a little bit of Abraham by Sufjan Stevens. On an album of, of bittersweet melancholy, that was definitely the most bittersweet and melancholy we've heard so far. Yeah, and I, and I think this is one of the more uh like kind of in your face mm-hmm. not i keep using like <laughs> in I, your face it's nothing the, the about breakdown this is in is your face breakdown and in your face <laughs> no this is one aggressive. of the aggressive <laughs> it's aggressively uh quirky i'm trying not to like use the word overtly but i keep using it because mm-hmm. i like it distinctly the, yeah this is one of the more markedly. distinctly christian songs on the album because it's telling the story of abraham who was commanded by God to uh, sacrifice his son for him. And then like at the last minute was like, nah, uh, kill this ram instead. You're good. Mm -hmm. But also still kill this ram. But yeah, still kill it. Yeah, still kill something, please. (laughs) Right. That's that Old Testament angry God. Mm -hmm. It's are getting spooky on Friday. It's just like, Abraham, spooky. (laughs) Spooky, go murder your son in the middle of the night. (laughs) That's that pre-reboot God before they they got that handsome actor to play. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think this might be, I I might be reading into it, but I think this might be where Sufjan is with, uh, with his religiousness. Like he he doesn't know where he stands, and it's like I think he he wants to do it, but also he has these doubts. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I gotta do it anyway. Like I don't want to kill my son, but I I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading into it. Um, but the, you know, Sufjan always seems to have one foot in you know the Christian pie, and then one foot in the worldly pie. I don't know why he's stepping in pies, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, because I I know other stuff that he's done. Like, he's done, like, darker stuff. Like, he's, I don't know, uh, the song John Wayne Gacy Jr. comes to mind from the Illinois album. Like, he, he's covered, like, non-religious material as well and, like, talked about his own demons in that way. You know, like, in that song, he's like, look underneath the floorboards and, like, you know, the secrets that I have hid. You know? Yeah. And I think, I don't know. You you <laughs> you tell me, listeners. Yeah. So let's give him, let's give him one more clip. And then I want to hear your uh, your wrap up on this, your takeaway, your elevator pitch for why everyone should listen to this <laughs> album this fall. Uh, I'm gonna go with Seven Swans, the uh, title track of the album. Uh, let's take a listen to that. Okay, so that was the t- another cheery party <laughs> jammer. From- Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna make Kids a callback. dropping back. it low. It was the titular track, <laughs> Seven Swans. <laughs> we have this thing where, like, in our early episodes, I say that like we've been doing this for years. 
we would always say the word titular somehow so i just said it yeah i'm making a call back we had like three we had like three things that that made it through five straight episodes and it was the word titular september 11th 2001 yep and there was another something else kept coming up (laughs) was it the guy from daft punk yeah that was one of them like produced or creature comforts it was yeah it was the phrase creature comforts. yeah uh, anyway, this is a boring oh, the segment. podcast is young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck this segment. You know? <laughs> uh, I think this is a good one to leave with because, like, the last uh, minute or so of the song is actually kind of spooky, and I think it get this harkens back more to Sufyan's religiousness, but also um, his sort of questioning of that because. Mm-hmm. I mean, the song is about, I think, the apocalypse. Again, another apocalyptic song on this album. But it's like the imagery is pretty creepy. He's like, uh, I we didn't sleep too late. There was a fire in the yard. All the trees were in light. They had no faces to show. I saw a sign in the sky. Like, definitely some apocalyptic imagery. Although I don't think... the The number seven does appear a lot. I don't think... There were ever like seven swans. This might be a metaphor or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw seven birds. <laughs> I get it. Um, but the the we last suck at making a show. The last part of the song, he repeats these lines, and it's like, "If you run, he will chase you. He will take you. If you run, he will chase you, because he is the Lord." And he's just like. It's like these three vocal streams like coming together. Him saying seven swans repeatedly because he is the Lord repeatedly and he will chase you and he will take you. So it's like, I don't know. I think people, I think Christian people are supposed to be excited about the apocalypse, right? Because like they all get taken Uh up to heaven. The rapture. The rapture. That's the part they're excited about. (laughs) Yeah. They're probably not excited about the monsters coming out of the ocean and the moon turning red, but you know. And I think Sufyan captures that vibe pretty well with this album because there's definitely songs where I think he's praising the Lord. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he's definitely, you know, happy. But then there's this, again, one foot in this pie, one foot in the other pie. I'm sticking with the pie metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this is is clearly like the other pie where it's like... This is the cherry pie. Yeah, he's got things it. are getting a little pop apocalyptic over here. He spun the he spun the spinner, <laughs> and he got he got right hand Christian pie. Spun it again, he got left foot depression pie. Yeah. <laughs> and then definitely one of them is like basement house party pie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he right. he. I really like how he. So not only is he not a traditional Christian artist. Um, melodically, but then also with his subjects, they are a bit less bright and cheery that the traditional uh, Christian pop music tends to be. Oh, it's yeah. It's a bit more dogmatic and real and a bit, a lot more questioning. And it's, it is a very vulnerable way instead of like, yeah, everything's awesome. We're so happy and we're so religious. It's kind of, um, and not to dog that, that's totally cool. Yeah. But just that this shows the other side of it. It's like, yeah, I actually do have some questions and the rapture is going to be pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, I mean, from, you know, my perspective, I, I did play guitar and like praise band at church when I was younger for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I, I'm grateful for those experiences, but also like... It taught you three whole chords. Playing, playing that music gets so boring after a while just it's not it's not musically stimulating to listen to because it's the same it's the same stuff like over and over and over and over again and i think that's what that's why i don't really listen to that in my free time and i think that's what drew me to sufjan stevens because it's like i don't listen to a lot of christian music but this is like good (laughs) christian this is like it's more stimulating and it's more interesting Mm-hmm. Like he's not singing about the same old things and like the same old mood, and it's challenging. Yeah, that's the thing is not everything can be cut and dry, positive. Like there's, if there's no challenge, if there's no conflict, then it's not really you can't really grow from listening to it. Yeah, and I mean it's not on this album, and I, I believe it's on the Illinois album. But there's a there's a song where he definitely like questions his faith. Um, Casimir Pulaski Day. Mm-hmm. which is, if you haven't heard it, it is one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. But, you know, there's a line in that song where he's like, one, I think it's one of his friends gets cancer. And they, there's a line about like, and we pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. And it's just, and then the, they oh. die. And like, that's oh. the song. And like, that's it. That's all he says. So, I don't know. That's... <laughs> Uh, that's an album for another i'll probably bring that one in because it's it's pretty good we're getting off track Uh, um so yeah i think so uh how many um thoughts and prayers would you give this album with like how many pies but how many how many hands (laughs) and feet and pies how many pies and what kind that is also very important i'm gonna give this uh i'm gonna give this album i'm gonna give it nine cherry pies out of out of ten blackberry pies, and I'm gonna let you guys figure out what that <laughs> means. Yeah. You figure out what that turns out to. Nice. All right. Well, I, I think we can just move right forward here. Uh, the album I'm reviewing today is "Wonderful, Wonderful" by The Killers. Um, it's not as you know, it's not as fun as as Sufjan, Sufjan, <laughs> Sufjan, Sufjan. I love Sufjan. She's great. <laughs> um, so Wonderful Wonderful is the first studio album album by the Killers in five years since Battleborn. Um, I, I really did not know what I was getting into with this. I had heard there was a single released a while back, but I, I wasn't super interested in listening to it because, to be frank, more recent Killers stuff I haven't found super engaging um it all feels very almost predetermined at this point in terms of like this is this is what an album sounds like so we're gonna make (laughs) that um i can say i was very surprised that this album broke that mold um now i'm not gonna get ahead of myself and and tell you exactly what i thought about it but it definitely wasn't the same old thing um the album starts off with the song, the 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 titular song. Yes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And this was a, a big surprise to me because this was like nothing I had heard from the Killers before. Um, 
the general tone from the killers, whether it's been a happy song, a, a sad song, an emotional, whatever they've sort of been going for, they've all had a bit of a pop rock vibe to it just throughout the career. Even even any of the darker stuff they've done is sort of framed through that lens, at least to an extent. It's recognizable. Wonderful, Wonderful starts off with a mellow, almost trancey kind of vibe. It is it is more progressive than the traditional killer's sound. And I was interested. I listened through, and is it is it a super engaging song? No. Is the songwriting super great? Not really, but it definitely sounds different, and I was ready to see where this was going. And then, smash cut, it's the second song, <laughs> The Man, and it's the poppiest thing I have ever heard this band do. <laughs> And uh, I've come to find out that uh, that's the single released off of this album, and that's what they're performing everywhere, and it definitely sounds like it. It sounds like that's the thing. Um, Where in in the rest of the songwriting this album, we're going to find it gets more introspective, and it deals more with real issues from uh, Brandon Flowers' life. But the man is like... I. There's probably like a songwriting app that could have written this one as the lyrics go. You know, he's rhyming like, who's the man? I'm the man with the plan. Like, I've got money in the bank. I've got Shorty, time on the clock. Think? Yeah, it's, it's for for sake of discussion, I'm, I'm pretty much going to gonna just remove that one from the album because I, I find it to be out of place. Uh, it, it was written before the album was put together and before I think the decision was made to make a an album as a whole, like a, a dealing with common theme things, and it was just already there as their next single, and that's just the place that it's taking. They're like, well, people, people like this, and it's the single, so we just got to throw it in there somewhere. Yeah. A lot of times it'll be a demand by their managers mm-hmm. or by the record label that they must have a single that fits within a certain market that can be the one yeah. that, that they play on late night TV, the one that they play which on is, radio. Which is this one, yeah. <laughs> and the, the one that, that gets the, the album mm-hmm. any sort of notoriety, that's just like left hand free for Alt-J, Yeah, is that they apparently wrote that song within just... Uh, a couple minutes because they were in the studio and they said there's no single yeah so then then they had to write it so it's kind of like the curse of the single oh yeah and removing it from the album i think is Mm -hmm. a wise way to go because it's not really the expression Mm -hmm. of the artist i shouldn't say that because i don't know but but it's it it sure doesn't feel like it well yeah i mean that makes me think of and this goes all the way back to like the 60s um, the album Paranoid by Black Sabbath. That album was originally going to be called War Pigs as like a response to the Vietnam War. And I think basically they were like, well, we need a single. And so the song Paranoid, they wrote in a few hours, like lyrically, musically, everything about that song, they wrote it in a few hours. And then it ended up being like the biggest Black Sabbath song other than like mm-hmm. Iron Man. Like the album was called Paranoid. And like that's that's like the single. Well, let's 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 talk about this for just a second then, because there are, there are a couple conflicting ideas with that idea of the like the single that was thrown together, and for some artists, it's clearly a lower quality product, and they're people who take a lot of time. But there are there are times where 
if you don't have a chance to to double think this and you're intentionally like this is this is what it is hey we're making this it it doesn't necessarily make it uh less valuable and less artistic so yeah sometimes people are and actually frequently people are more creative when they're given a set of guidelines because when there's dictated endpoints you're exploring the space more and so there's chances where that happens and there's also I think there is, there could be a case to be made that that this song that we sort of jumped off from, The Man, was supposed to be uh, some sort of commentary. Maybe in an original draft or something, it had an idea of being an homage to, it's very, it's actually got a lot of funk undertone. It mm-hmm. sounds like, it sounds like the Bee Gees, like the Killers as the Bee Gees, and maybe there's something there about the changing time and the role of like this this the man persona but if it is there it's it's sort of just undone by by the musicality of it it just sounds like a pretty poppy song i think that whenever you um and uh, when a lot of people do the singles that are just fitting basically into a formulaic system they are able to say, okay, well, this isn't me, so I can just, I can remove my my mm-hmm. personal feelings about it, and I can just make a song. And that's something that I know that I have personally been thinking a lot about is that at the end of the day, if your musicality is insane and you are a savant, it still just may not do the trick, and you have to remove kind of the pretentious emotional mm. behavior that tends to come about when you're writing a lot of music yeah. that you want it to be elevated and you do mm-hmm. but if it's not understandable to people it just doesn't it just doesn't work it's hard to accept that every work can't be your greatest work but like if you never finish it then it's never anything <sighs> like you gotta yeah. finish it and uh, you need a single for an album <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well, we've been talking about this single a lot so yeah let's just let's, let's just play ju- it let's just listen to it we'll let you decide <laughs> <Can't> wait <laughs> is this outsider art or is this a dumb single or is it both yeah is I, it Friday the 13th? Is it? <laughs> all right here's the man from the killers it's fun it's a fun song but it moving forward we start hitting on lyrics that are more emotional and more raw um it's really the first time since the early works that Brandon Flowers songwriting sounds like a personal experience songwriting and not a writing lyrics for a persona of a band almost the third song on the album Rut is is it the most interestingly written lyrics it's not but it's very it's very raw and upfront about what he's trying to convey and the song is written about uh him and him his experience and his his and his wife's experience with her ptsd uh it's a difficult thing to talk about and he had never really incorporated that into a, a song before and it's it's different it's emotional it's not this like rock star persona that we've come to understand and and this idea kind of proceeds through the rest of the album everything 
it feels raw. It almost feels like somebody's first album, but it's because it's the first time we're seeing, I, I think, real humanized songwriting from this guy since he's been a rock star. Since it's, Sam's It's kind of like the like the role of the comedian, and you have to um, you have to be careful about people who you have relationships with if they are part of the joke or they're part of the song. Mm-hmm. Somebody with PTSD probably is like, yeah, sure, go for it, just mm-hmm. tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the song's coming up, so "Life to Come," the uh, fourth track, I, I found really interesting to have these four open the album because each feels incredibly different uh life to come i would believe if you had told me that this was a cover of like the 11th hour song on a broadway soundtrack it feels like this sweeping moment of and the songwriting is very is very broadway kind of style it's rhymes and uh phrasings that seem music theater inspired it's way less rock and it's way less like modern alternative feeling and it's a cool song but it's like we we've, we're experiencing a whole different area of of musicality again um and then we continue on to the fifth song which sounds where we're back in killer's territory and that's the song run for cover which I am first impression thought sounded a lot like their um, album Day and Age, the one with humans on it or human. Are we human or are we dancer? Uh, okay. Uh, and I've come to find out that it was actually written for that album and dropped and then revived for this one. And so it makes sense. It, it, it's kind of a throwback to the more traditional Killers song. Kind of and a hodgepodge album. I wonder if yeah. they if they went into it thinking that it was going to be a cohesive piece or if mm-hmm. it was um, more so we are the killers and we can do whatever the hell we want and we need a single mm-hmm. and well, we're going to do... earliest stage, that is what it was going to be. But there is an interview with Brandon Flowers I was reading where there was a point in time where they decided to make an album and not just, and the quote is, a collection of songs. I think that decision may have come a little too late in the process. Hmm. Because there, I think when you throw out the man, the unifying piece of this as an album is humanized songwriting. Like these are these are songs that he's actually drawing on his experiences and his emotions in creating, and the the instrumentation and the musicality just sort of being sporadic, I think, is for each song. And, and it does feel like a collection of songs, but not at, not in a negative way. Uh, it's not like these things don't belong on an album together, but it just definitely feels like how a TV show can be episodic instead of overarching. It kind of feels that way. Each of these songs is a, um, a look at a moment or a feeling. And the next one is pretty pretty hard to find in that. It's the sixth track is called Tyson versus Douglas, which is about a boxing match. It's the boxing match where Mike Tyson got knocked out. And uh, it's described as a song that tries to capture the feeling of watching a hero fall. And he, it's not from the perspective of Mike Tyson, which is sort of how it plays at first. So the song starts with the commentary of the boxing match of of Tyson losing 
and some sort of background noise, and it's really putting you into the moment. It's got this melancholic instrumentality, and you're just you're getting the, this set that something bad happened. It feels like something bad happened, and it walks through the experience of. Uh, the first time I listened, I thought it was someone who had who had lost a bunch of money betting on Tyson, but <laughs> it doesn't feel like that as much as maybe just a kid, a kid who watched his hero fail, and it talks. You know, you take a cold shower and you you go to bed and you wake up and this still happened, and it's it's really interesting because it's it's a challenging emotional song and this is. This is the first time that it feels like this is the first album since Sam's Town that we're hearing we're hearing songwriting for from the perspective of a person and not f- songs written for the killers. Even if the band's writing it themselves, they've fallen into this identity of the rock star group that writes music that sounds like this. And I, I think this would be a good one to listen into. So here's a clip from Tyson versus Douglas. So something of note is that there's a pretty big 80s sounding influence on a lot of the instrumentation. Uh, the Tyson versus Douglas, I'm not sure what part you just heard, but <laughs> we were sitting here listening to it and realizing it sounds almost exactly like Dancing in the Dark at the beginning, a Springsteen song. And it, it, that sort of drops out in favor of a more traditional alt-rock sound. And it does, it sounds like a killer's song later on. But that um, that '80s synth sound is pervasive throughout the whole thing, and it's a it's not really a completely different turn for music for the Killers. Day and Age was fairly synth heavy, but it was modern synth sounding for the time, so late two thousands. And this mm-hmm. going for this, I guess, what would have been more of a more of an analog tone, like making actual instruments play this instead of digitally, like creating right. it and do, like and direct boxing it, is is different. And it's a nice, um, not a counterpoint. It's actually a nice similarity almost to Brandon Flowers' voice, which is uh, traditionally it's kind of shaky in an interesting way. Like people, if you don't know what I mean, just listen to. Any of their songs, and you'll figure it out. Pretty <laughs> get there. I didn't realize how traditionally '80s he is vocally until listening to this. It's like, oh, he, he, he was basically picked up and dropped now, but he, he totally could have been a pop star in the '80s. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it would have worked know. well. <laughs> no, I, like some of these songs, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is like an aha B side. Yeah. Like yeah. mu- musically, at least, which which honestly, I think is super cool to hear that coming from them because it would have been very easy to just make four <laughs> four singles and some noise and just sell it because it would have sold and they don't need to try and reinvent themselves. But it's very refreshing that they're willing to break the mold on this. And just real quick to touch on the rest of the songs on the album, uh, seven, eight, nine uh, are are very they're good i think it's i think they're the best songs on the album but i also don't have a ton to say about them because what they do is they capture everything i've liked about the previous songs and see it to completion uh it it feels it, it feels like a human perspective in the songwriting um the instrumentation is 
killers enough that you're like, okay, so they're being true to their sound, they're being themselves, but at the same time, they're introducing new elements and creating new ideas and new musical themes and motifs throughout. And like this is this is what I would say listen to. You want to listen to songs six through nine if, if you don't have time. If you don't have time to listen to a whole <laughs> new Killers album that, and you want to like everything you hear, that's where they really hit swing. And I think you can really feel that after um, like Life to Come and then Run for Cover being one of their earlier songs, right after that you feel this, oh, they made a concerted effort to make an album where it runs together thematically. It makes sense. It doesn't necessarily sound the same, but it it is one entity that that is it's can what a gross word. It's congealed. <laughs> it's a terrible word for this, but it, it's come it comes together here. This is this is where it is. And I think in the timeline of the songwriting, that's actually how it lined up too. It's interesting that they put those cohesive songs at the end because it mm-hmm. seems like when people are listening to an album, even after song four, people are kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm in it for the long haul. It's interesting <laughs> that, that you don't put it, that, that they did not put it in the beginning and then put the single, maybe uh-huh. song two or something. But then there's something to be said about keeping it interesting at the beginning because each of those songs, I don't think any of them are, are bad even my least favorite is probably the man but like it's fun yeah like it's nick called it stompy like it's you can <laughs> you can move to it it's a fun song it's just babies would dance the least to that interesting lyrically i think and but it's it's interesting as it changes up and it kind of eases you into this and then here's here's four songs that make sense together because i mean sometimes if you're listening to like the second strokes album Room on Fire, they very, like, the biggest criticism to that is that it, it all sounds the same. And it mm-hmm. kind of does. And if your first five sounded like one thing and then it continues to, it's really easy to just fade out and be like, okay, I got it. I that's true. That's well, yeah, true. And I mean, we, we, we discussed like the nature of singles, but like that's a, another thing that is put into the production is what order do the songs go in? Mm-hmm. And like that's, definitely a discussion that i'm sure the band had and they they carefully had to do this to figure out like what is the best way to put these together and And make it it make sense and it really feels like these were probably written last Mm -hmm. not their afterthoughts but that they had gotten used to because it was brandon flowers and the bassist I, i think it was the bassist dropped out from touring and just was spending full time in the studio working on music mm-hmm. and it, uh, uh, apparently he he felt much more like he felt way better doing that and felt kind of like he wasn't doing anything when he was touring and that's not a criticism of being the bassist but if you're not writing new music and you are just playing the bass and not you like he, he just didn't feel like you he get was stagnant. doing anything so he he actually hit his swing and really working on this and then uh, Brandon would come back from touring and they would work together in the studio and it was fun they recorded some of this at uh, Joshua Tree National Park is where they, they did a lot of the songwriting where they rented a house there Oh, nice! and they recorded the rest out of um, uh, Nevada studio. It but, sounds like such a beautifully respectful relationship that, that he would say yes you can drop off from playing the bass and write I'm, it's, yeah. it's fantastic I love hearing about musical relationships like that. Yeah and he, he got to take a step back and then actually it turned into a great positive thing for the band as a whole. Um, then the last song, 
And I, th- I think there was a point I was going to make a lot earlier, and I didn't decide and totally lost it. So if you're <laughs> yelling at me at home about what I'm supposed to say, hopefully I do later. <laughs> uh, the last song, Have All the Songs Been Written, is a little... It's a little... Um, it's a little... It, it feels like he's a little into himself with that. That's sort of like a, a kind of pompous artist problem of like i can't keep doing this all of the songs have already been written how can i do this um and but but it's nice enough it it comes off pretty well it comes off as earnest too which i guess is the redeeming thing he actually is struggling with this and it's not the existential idea of of the the nihilistic artist of why would i paint all the paintings will go away eventually like (laughs) it was actually struggling with writing songs and i I found out that um have all the songs been written was the subject line of an email that he sent bono when he was struggling with writer's block (laughs) And, and as it turns out um bono had a pretty distinct influence on the album which i think isn't necessarily where the 80s sound came out of but the producer that worked on all of these songs and a couple of them had additional help from other people but the producer whose name i should probably say probably shouldn't just refer to everyone as what they do um <laughs> what a name the producer hello my uh, name is jackknife lee the <laughs> producer jackknife lee uh was recommended by bono to uh the to the killers for work on this album and i think being someone recommended by you two who I mean, really had their heyday in more of the 80s-ish, like the 80s and early 90s sound than something more modern. I think that definitely could explain a decent amount of the influence and it coming across as Springsteen-esque. Mm-hmm. Right. Springsteen's only like an American shoot from from U2. Like they're not yes. that different. <laughs> um, you can see it in his uh, in his vocal stylings that... It's kind of harking back to a time mm-hmm. that Bono had his his height of the height of his fame, and that a lot of times when when artists are really successful, it seems like they think the time that they were successful was the best time in music, and yeah. everything else should reflect it because mm-hmm. that was truly the best time, <laughs> and. Um, it, you can really hear that in this music that it's it is preferencing a certain style, a certain mm-hmm. um, a certain feeling, and it does feel like you're kind of moving backwards, but not in a but moving forwards for the killers because they're stepping outside of their yeah um, of their comfort zone. Yeah, and I think I, I think I hit it earlier, but I'm not entirely sure, so I'll say it again if I did that this album feels raw. In, in in an interesting way because they're accomplished musicians. They've got a great studio producer. It doesn't feel raw like basement raw. It feels raw like first songwriting for a raw. And it's the first time that like it's it feels like it's the first time grown up Brandon Flowers was writing lyrics. Like <laughs> like he he rock he stopped being rock star and started being a person again. Mm-hmm. And that's reflected here. And I think we should listen in on uh, on that last track before I before I wrap this up. So here is some of Have All the Songs Been Written, a song inspired by an email with Bono. <laughs> so before I wrap up, there's um, a couple things I-, I forgot to bring up 
when I was talking about it that I, I thought were really important. Um, there are in this songwriting a several several references to uh, Brandon Flowers' relationship with his mom, which I have never. Now, cards on the table. I've never listened to all of Sawdust or Battleborn. The newer albums that they've done, I just haven't thought are super great. And I've never really listened to like the top five popular ones from each of them on Spotify or something. But I never really felt compelled to listen to every song on those albums. But before listening to this, I had never heard a reference to like, quote, my mother on any of their songs. And it comes up frequently and pervasive in this album, talking about walking down the street with uh with his mother um in i think it's run for cover he talks about seeing his mom on the street and telling her that i know you tried and it's not it's not very positive and then there's one lyric that i am paraphrasing here and i honestly can't remember what song this comes out of because it's kind of a throwaway but it's like you're not where you're from and i'm not my mother and it's it's a lot of like bearing a a difficult relationship that he's had. And I haven't heard that before in a lot of their music. And it, it kind of does feel like it's a second coming of him as a songwriter and as a fan of the band's early work. And like, I know a lot of people are, a lot of people like songs off of Hot Fuss. And like, there's, it, it was cool to like The Killers when Sam's Town was out. But it's, like, it's still what I listen to in my car. And it's still. <laughs> What I sing at karaoke, and um, <laughs> it's, subtle drop. Please ask yeah. me to sing that at karaoke. Yeah, please ask me to sing at <laughs> karaoke. But yeah, it's it, it just it, it was really nice to hear something new out of them, something it, new in the something old segment. It, it, it's hard because they, as as a grown man, he wants to try something new, mm -hmm. but he can't really re release it without having his entire name behind it. So if he's yeah. trying something new. He wants to have something that is vulnerable and really going out there, but he doesn't get the mm -hmm. grace of it being his first album and it being okay if the second one's better yeah. and this one isn't exactly what he wants, but he's just trying to release it. And going back to talking about, or I suppose starting talking about mm -hmm. his mother, it, it seems like he's taking, he's having his midlife crisis. That, I think that's album. really it. And some of the, as I've gone in after I listened to it and figured out what I want to say, after that I like to go in and see what the the hits are on this, the the Wikipedia page, the, the main quotes from him. And he does talk about writing the most personal and bare lyrics he's ever written. And what he would normally do would be to take like a personal experience and that feeling and then twist it onto an outside situation. So like, taking your experience but then applying it to like it's uh narratively different people instead of just coming straight from like this is how i feel about something and taking it head on like that is something he said he'd never done before and it makes sense because it's it's different it's a different experience and um i i don't think this is a perfect album um but i think it's good and i think what i'm really excited about from this though is that if, if if they can take what's almost a new identity and polish this up, they might have something really good in store in another five years, like something to something nearly as successful as their early work, which kind of blew them up. So um, maybe even under a new name. Yeah. Maybe this is kind of their transitional 
period before they before they the killers become, too yeah, be, be, before the rapture <laughs> yeah, of the killers the <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to some sufyan and then they can yeah. slow it down a bit <laughs> um all right so let's uh i don't know what uh what arbitrary number do you give this album out of honestly 10? i don't know like an eight and a half out of ten Ooh, I actually wow. I actually really enjoyed it and as much as from a critical eye some of the earlier songs in the album don't make sense thematically and are a little weaker in the songwriting it's almost like a, a three-dimensional experience of through time with this thing it's coming together and, and time and space yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in the twilight zone but yeah I, I actually very much enjoyed it I would recommend it cool we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with, uh, with, um, home shake, shake, shake. Yeah. Home shake. We'll be Fresh right air back. by home shake. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Please like us on Instagram. <laughs> Please. <laughs> hey, subscribers. <laughs> oh my God. Have you guys checked out Instagram? <laughs> it's this new device. They've got pictures. You can even say some words, too, if they're limited. <laughs> Go ahead. Give them a like. But you can't hotlink websites. You can't hotlink websites. So <laughs> as soon as they figure that out, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. Game changer. So head on over, give them a like. Yeah, give Instagram a like. <laughs> you this can is, only do so much without seeing the visuals. Yeah, this is like filtered through my mom if I tried to tell her, just gave her instructions on how to record, telling her where she, <laughs> where people can like find, like, and subscribe to our music, which she would come away with be like six words. <laughs> Did Head you? over to our Instagram to our. I'm already just in it. <laughs> Head over to Instagram to see how you can follow them on everything else. <laughs> they did not ask me to do that. I took that upon myself. <laughs> yeah, you can just put that in there, and I'll just uh, yeah. lead right into it. Uh, hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, if you like what we're doing here, you can find us on Instagram, as Jane just kindly told you. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter at. S-O-S-N-S-B-S-B podcast. We also have a Facebook page with the full name of the show, which is long, so I'm not going to say it again. Um, <laughs> and then you can find our website at S-O-S-N-S-B-S-B-podcast.com. We are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Google, Google Play. Play Store. Yeah. So if your friends, and we're on most podcatching apps, so if you're telling your friends to listen and they ask, Will is it on this? And it's anything but Spotify. The answer is yes. We are on <laughs> everything but Spotify. And we're working on that. Right. Uh, and if you could leave us a review, leave us like a, a, a rating on iTunes, that mm -hmm. would be fantastic. That would help us increase visibility. You know, maybe catch more people listening if yeah. we show up. And so. if you catch yourself listening a couple of times and you're not subscribed, it would mean a lot to us if you just go ahead and subscribe. Um, you know, I'm subscribed to a bunch of podcasts I don't listen to, so like, what's the big, <laughs> what's the big deal, right? You just can do, do it, it too. It's okay. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna get right back to the show. Thanks for listening. So we're gonna throw it over to our our guest Jane Spencer, uh, who is a an audio and visual artist. Uh, she plays keyboard and sings in the band Less Is More. Uh, and to quote her, 
she's done a lot of shit, but she hasn't done that much shit. Like, I haven't <laughs> won a Grammy or anything. <laughs> so, uh, Jane, what album did you bring for us today? I brought Fresh Air by Home Shake. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I came about this album because we, we were speaking about your podcast, and I thought it might be fun instead of uh, reviewing something that was tried and true for mm-hmm. me, that I would review something for the purpose of this, and I had never heard it before. I didn't even know if I would like it. Nice. That's fun. Really, It's really throwing it out there. And we, we've done that with some of our stuff, mostly our new segment, and it's, it's kind of challenging. And it's especially like if if you don't like it, then it's mm-hmm. like, well, I want to talk about it. But yeah. I, I'm gonna after listening to this, I'm guessing you you do like this though. I do, but I did <laughs> not at first. At first, I was the, so I I would play it pretty much every night while I was cooking dinner, mm-hmm. and um, which is why I didn't know a lot of the names of the songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I. It started off where I the the instrumentation of the intro started playing and I was definitely feeling it. And then as someone, I, I studied opera and that was my college major. And So when I asked you about your credits, that's something you could have mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> also, opera major in college. <laughs> well, I started off as a drummer, as a singing drummer in a, my oh, all-girl cool. band called rhymes with orange and then i was in a um like a a punk band called son of thunder and then there was like the the classic line was kind of an emo band i wasn't really Mm -hmm. into either of those but you know it 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 happened you have your projects have my projects and i was a solo ukulele player and then i joined an acapella group and then that's where I met Brian, and now here I uh-huh. am, and less is more. Um, For those of you who I don't, you know, I don't know who listens to this that wouldn't know, but uh, that is Brian Spencer, Jane's ex boyfriend, now husband, <laughs> and friend of the show. You can catch him on our first episode. The, and originally it was just you two in the band, right? It was, it was yeah. Um, we, yeah, it. It's been a progression and it's just been constant growth because we've been trying to have constant growth. But mm-hmm. yeah, who knows where it'll be next. We're, we're going into the studio very soon. So we'll be coming out with some tracks of our own. But nice. back yeah, to fresh yeah, air. Yeah, this for now. <laughs> oh, we can cut that out. Um, but so I then when, when Home Shake started singing, I it kind of threw me because He's not traditionally a fantastic vocalist, and that's actually one of the things that I grew to love about it. And it really, uh, it created a nonchalant and a an amateur sort of ambiance for the whole album. He's doing really musically complicated things, and mm-hmm. because his voice is so nearly comically um yeah it's young that that it makes the whole thing feel like oh i could do that it's young and like not (laughs) not in like a negative way just it's a little little weak like it's it's not like a it's so breathy it's not like a grown adult's voice that you're hearing (laughs) but but all of the all of the the music stuff under that is is 
I would like very mature yes. in a way. And so it is kind of like a juxtaposition that lightens the whole thing up that it's it it, it feels like someone just doing it. Like, yeah. like just we'll do it live. Like <laughs> Yeah, it, it kinda seems like how how people sing when they sing under their breath mm-hmm. and just kinda just kind of barely saying words Mm -hmm. and not really singing them for anyone i think this i think um because a lot of people probably haven't heard this yet uh before we get too much farther would be a good time for them to listen to some of that and actually yeah absolutely a, a grounded idea of what we're talking about here so um and just quickly before we listen to the first one it the feeling that uh kind of how I like to paint the picture of this album is somebody watching their super cool older brother or sister who's like the Fonz and they see how they do it and they see how like sexy they are <laughs> and then try to embody it themselves and it's just <laughs> not quite cutting it um, but it but it lives somehow in the same world because it's trying it's like the middle school version of Usher mm-hmm. nice <laughs> What um what what do you think we should listen to first? Definitely call me up. Great. Here's a here's call me up from Fresh Air by Home Shake. So that one is a it's a good example of of how he is doing a lot of complicated things but making it sound really simple and because he's not really belting it in the traditional sense mm-hmm. it 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 sounds very believable. Yeah, it's it's really subdued. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's not singing in the car, right? It's yeah. it's like you're in your cubicle kind of singing yeah. to yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like it's it's a real life sort of thing there. It's not separated. Mhm. It's he he might as well be humming. Mm-hmm. Um he I so I looked it up and he is Mac DeMarco's guitarist actually. Okay, well oh. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I totally Yeah, yeah. in and <laughs> I, I saw Good an gears. interview of, of him and yeah, you guys both had light bulbs at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I this makes sense yeah. now. <laughs> and he was so in the interview <laughs> it was kind of uh unfortunately exactly how I thought he was gonna be. He was mm-hmm. kind of like totally over being there for the interview and mm-hmm. he was kind of annoyed the whole time and she asked him all simple questions that he basically with short answers said, I'm not going to answer any of your questions. And he was <sighs> kind of a jerk. Um, yeah. But I think it's got to be hard to create your own identity as you're known. Like, nobody knows your album, but then you say, it's the guitarist for Mac DeMarco, and everybody's like, oh, Mac DeMarco, yeah. we love him. Yeah, He's right. like constantly the middle child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I love how he is using the instrumentation that he has. You said something during the, um, during the while we were listening to it about... The the, synth, the, the, the synthesizers horn, and horn and synth. whether or not and he's playing with nearly comical elements at every turn mm-hmm. because playing a piano that sounds like a trombone is usually like wow that's a really <laughs> cheap synthesizer mm-hmm. and he's using that and trying to capitalize on that yeah 
in the interview, he said that he would write a song a night for a month. And that's what ended up being this album. And you can kind of tell that he is not taking it too seriously, it seems. But maybe that's almost a safety blanket. Yeah. Kind of like the single. It's like, well, I just wrote this. And it's like, whatever. I just I wrote one every night, so it didn't really matter. And generally, the songs on the album are pretty short. Mm-hmm. And they're not you know aggressively repetitive but but it, it tend to not you know have a, a ton of elements to them mm-hmm. so that that does make sense make, like they're each sort of these individual ideas and if he was writing them in a night then it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. that he picked a theme saw what he could do with it and there's two minutes of that and yeah. that's a song now and they they do all live very well in the same world mm-hmm. um and I think that if you don't take a break from something, even though he wasn't trying to make all the songs sound the same, and they don't sound the same, but they do, you can tell what music he's listening to in this time. You can tell mm. that he's kind of like eating the same things. He's kind yeah. of just in this same mode They might not for be in the same month. classroom, but they're in the same school. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, he might not be eating the same thing as pizza every day, but he's eating pizza. <laughs> he might be eating um, <laughs> this, the Italian pizza rolls tonight. And, some days uh, he might call it a pie. Some yeah. days <laughs> he's just doing the same thing. It's thin crust tomorrow. <laughs> uh, the the other song that I wanted to listen to, or another, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I, it's my favorite song on the album. Is it K H M L W U G H? That's the very. It <laughs> is track even, nine. I don't even know how you go and pronounce that. It's. And it's, know, man. it's kind of, again, him being a bit of a pretentious asshole for me because <laughs> I that's my favorite song. And if people are like, don't oh, even what, what song do you like? Be like track nine. Mm, track nine. <laughs> so then it makes me sound more pretentious because yeah. I don't even call by its name. Uh-huh. I only. Uh, it's it's kind of a complicated name. You really. You really. You just have to listen to it. It's just it's, track nine. I can't describe it. It's, a, it's track nine. You, it's probably, a, you probably stopped off at like track four. It. You know, yeah. you didn't even get to track nine. <laughs> it's Mac DeMarco's guitarist, okay? <laughs> so like, <laughs> so yeah. enjoy, and you may be one of the elite. <laughs> Here's uh, co- <laughs> track nine. <laughs> track nine. Coming at you live. So to wrap up kind of how I was feeling about this album and then what I um, what I further researched mm-hmm. is that he is trying to make his way as an individual artist that is not Mac DeMarco's guitarist. And I think <laughs> in a lot of ways he is he is definitely accomplishing that. And I really honestly enjoyed this album and I realized uh, that I have personally some similarities in mm-hmm. the way that I like to write music. Um, and and I've gained a lot of inspiration in music that I'm currently writing from him. But I definitely don't want to be this tormented artist because that is truly what I believe he is. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, so he's in a, a pretty uniquely difficult, probably not unique, like not actually unique in terms of the only person ever, but... Um, He's in this position where he's like he's trying to create an identity that's not Mac DeMarco's guitarist, but 
how much did you, would you bet that that he's contributed so much of who he is in the sound to Mac DeMarco by Good being point. the guitarist that now like his that's got to be it doesn't have to be it's probably that's his go-to sound that's who he was as a musician and now he's trying to create this other identity where he can't take with him mm. his sound because his sound on a guitar sounds like Mac DeMarco's guitar and oh my so gosh that's so true it, it's, it's not like a torturous place to be but well, yeah, it's not I mean, great that's what you said about like the the middle child mm-hmm. it's just like he he has this bigger name that people mm-hmm. know that he has to like craft his own mm-hmm. path carve his own path out of but then he's contributed to that bigger name in a right. way that he has to sort of carve it out of himself as well mm-hmm. if, he, if he really wants a, a full, unique identity completely separate from it. It's and like, that can be hard because like, if, if you're doing something that works for you and then he he does something for the sake of being different, that could also like not come off very mm-hmm. well at all. Well, he th- this entire album is synthesizers. He doesn't even play the guitar. I think that that was mm-hmm. probably one of the important steps for him in creating his own identity he can't even play his instrument because mm-hmm. he it, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like mac demarco he um like uh, nick i believe is his name i'll just call him home shake but home shake he um he says a joke nobody hears it mac demarco repeats it a little bit louder and everybody laughs it's like the, <laughs> the like the, the constant yeah. sort of struggle and he doesn't even get to play his instrument in this. And I, I think that uh, even down to the way that he drew or whoever drew the album cover, it looks very amateur. And I think that he's really trying to trying to show himself as a starting artist. But then again, just like his music, the image on the album cover is very simple and it's done in... Um, there's not shading and it's done with simple line and it's just mm-hmm. very simple colors, but the actuality of the image to show a mirror and to show depth and to you can actually see that world and it's pretty complicated within its simplicity. It is exactly like the music. It is a lot more complicated than it appears mm-hmm. and he is but people may or may not give him credit for it because it seems so straightforward yeah and like exploring things that don't sound like mac demarco there's a couple like i got he sounds a bit like the new the new gambino stuff Mm -hmm, a little bit definitely um, and a lot of people have said that uh there's moments where he it feels definitely like it's a prince sound that Mm -hmm. he's going for uh, but I mean, the whole thing's more subdued than most things Prince did. Like it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick has a lot of feelings about Prince. I do, but that yeah. We'll see. Okay, he doesn't want to get. He doesn't want to drown you right now in his feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the big um, like talking about this and him being um, having this identity in another band uh, brought up a comparison for me with a project called the Dams of the West which is the solo offshoot of Vampire Weekend by their drummer, mm, Chris. I and that. I saw them last year or last what I saw them at some point. And um and it's it's the sort of thing where I watched I watched him do that 
and who he had with him as touring musicians. And Dams of the West isn't like very good. <laughs> and and it's like it's not a knock on on him, but like he's a really really fantastic drummer. Like he's really good at drums. He's an okay guitarist, and he's not a great singer. And like the project is cool, but he looked like he was having the time of his life, just like doing whatever he wanted and being not you know what's what's the Ezra is Ezra the the main guy in Vampire Weekend. Like, I'm not sure. I think it's Ezra Koenig or something like that. Koning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. He's like an actor too, right? Uh, he so his most recent thing, his thing was uh, this. There's this anime starring Jaden Smith that's out right now. Okay, that he's like the lead producer on, and it's fucking hilarious. We'll get to that later. It's I got what a multifaceted a, dude. Yeah. So um, Chris's band Dams of the West. Yeah, it, it's it's not great, and it's not like. I don't think it's artsy in in the negative way of calling something artsy. Like like he's a good musician, but he looked like he was having fun and it wasn't taking itself too seriously. And this seems like the um, the uh, not the inverse, the converse of that, where it's like this is very musically good and cool and challenging. And maybe he's not enjoying doing it that much though. Like he's <laughs> yeah. really this this really feels like work in a way yeah. that it's 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 trying to like work super hard at finding this identity that is outstanding and out there and it's really cool but yeah i totally get that he'd be the kind of guy who doesn't really want to do the interview you know he's signed up by his publicist to do this interview that he doesn't really give a shit about like he didn't even look at her in the eyes. Yeah. He, he looked at her once in the eyes when when she said, mm. "I'm a little sick right now." And he <laughs> gave he looked at her with complete disgust. Like, "Why are you interviewing me?" Oh my me? god. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, god. Um yeah, so so takeaway. What do you what do you think? In I think less words. It, <laughs> I gave Johnny five words, I think, to describe to, five to wrap words? up. Oh my god. You don't need to do five I let this do. When would you listen to this, like season or time, or what are you doing? When do you think this is appropriate music? Um, I, I suppose, in the summer while I'm cooking dinner for my <laughs> honey, and I can hear him playing music in the other room, and this is because that that was my experience with this album, uh. and it was a good one, and it felt kind of that nonchalant, a little bit weird when you get off of work, but it's summer and you're tired, but you're trying to be amped up. And yeah, because it's still light for like yes. six more hours. <laughs> nice. So that that's how that this album will always remind me of that in a, in a positive way. I would give the rating of this would be, hmm, out of 10, I would probably say this is, I'm an easy critic, but I'm also kind of a tough critic. Uh-huh. I would yeah. say I would give this seven colored pencils. <laughs> those are my favorite kind of reviews. It's like, I've got a lot of positive things to say. And all of those being said, still like a six out of two. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I, being constructive I'm here. looking for it. If, if somebody, th- that's just kind of how I am, though. If somebody asks me about something, I'm going to look for the positive aspects in every Hell damn yeah. part of it. But I still may not love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to know. It's not that great. These are really good things. You captured yes. really great moments here. And then overall, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's send them out with a, with a song before we uh, dig into these beers at 1230 in the afternoon. Yeah, this is going to be great.
Um, do you have a song in mind that you'd want to play? Yeah, well, I think that maybe playing the title track, Fresh Air. This yeah. is the longest one, and it is, and it's also, I, I always like the songs that they use as the titles because mm -hmm. I think it's their representation of the album. Cool. All right, nice. so here is Fresh Air from the album Fresh Air by Home Shake. All right, so we've come to the most refreshing portion of the show. Um, we're gonna drink a beer and we're gonna we're gonna make some small talk. So um, this is gorgeous. This is Mind to Devour, a double IPA from Transient Brewing. Thank you. Transient is in. Bridgman, Michigan, which is closer to Chicago than a lot of places. Uh, we're in Kalamazoo, and it's about an hour west of here. Um, Transient is doing a lot of farmhouse and sour stuff, and they're probably my favorite brewery in the state right now, um, doing a lot of really good small batch stuff. And just before we talk about the beer, also, if you ever could make it there, do it. And if not, just try and check out their can artworks because they're all pretty amazing. We're looking at one right now that's sort of a, this one has a, a refractory sort of eye thing going on. And it's a kaleidoscope kind of tessellated shape. Kind of like tangrams a bit. Mm -hmm. But it's like the Illuminati eye, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but it's the Illuminati eye. And, that and probably then, has a proper name one, that I didn't say. I think say. One, one mouth. One mouth. One mouth, right? Is that Is a mouth? I don't know. <laughs> but all their all their cans are super beautiful, and then all of their bottled sours and stuff are really high quality. So, with clearly no bias going in, <laughs> mm. well, it smells delightful. Yeah, for being a for being a double IPA, it smells really light, and it it doesn't bite either. Like it's not yeah. you know this super bitter. It's definitely in the the New England style the new really happening new England style where you use some wheat and some oat and that's why it's so hazy. Yeah. And then they say it tastes really juicy. So it's more hops for flavor and aroma. And uh, those have like very low bitterness. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't your in your face double IPA at all. It seems like there's a real culture as someone outside of the beer world, but just in observation, there is kind of like how we we're talking about vinyl how vinyl um was and is currently mm -hmm. very big and nearly trendy there was a weird stigma going around about ipas people like yeah. i only drink ipas man yeah uh -huh. and the happier the better i like my my tongue to fall off uh -huh. there's so many <laughs> hops in this and this is a double ipa but mm -hmm. does not do that no these these new england style beers have um I know someone who like convinced her mom to to start drinking them, and she did because she was like, it, it's kind of like a mimosa, mm -hmm. which like, yeah. is it really no? But like with this juicy fruit flavor, I definitely get that. You you could like make a case that it's sort of similar. Like it, we're pulling back on the bitterness, and part of that big IPA trend was that it coincided with the craft beer trend as a whole, mm -hmm. and so it was riding this wave of of explosive stuff. And there'll probably never be a beer trend as big as that because craft beer is already sort of, yeah. it's, it's here now. That was sort of when it was coming. And, um, and it's an exact opposite of the smooth bud light mm -hmm. of the world. Yeah. And you kind of got, it's, it's I, I keep on making comparisons, but mm -hmm. it's like when you first start 
drinking anything and you just go to oblivion and then mm. eventually you realize how to reel it back in mm-hmm. and what kind of things you like and-, mm-hmm. and and a lot of that also for people who get into drinking beer a lot is uh palate development i've probably talked about lupulin threshold shift on the show before but <laughs> i don't um, know it basically let's talk let's use a scale of numbers like bitterness of zero to ten um before you start really eating or drinking bitter things um, your brain stops at like three. So anything above three on the scale, your brain is like, that is bitter, like fully bitter. And that's mm-hmm. just sort of an overload. Um, but after you do that a couple times, now your brain can start to process like up to four. And so now three to four used to be too bitter for you because your brain just was like full bitter. But now it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I'm scaling it back. I understand it better. And that keeps going. So when you're a kid, you normally don't really enjoy bitter things unless like it just sort of happens and you can develop that palate young. Most people don't. And so beer is where you see it happen with a lot of people that you drink, you drink uh, stouts and you don't realize stouts physically are very bitter, but they don't come off that way. They come a little sweeter, but it's like definitely the, the absolute bitterness of it is kind of high. And so your brain is starting to learn to not turn off to not get overloaded by bitterness. Mm -hmm. And so then eventually you try this IPA that you did two years ago and it was gross and you didn't like it. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of nice. That's exactly what happened to me with Two Hearted. Yeah. Like like three years ago, it was just the the most gross, bitter thing that like, Mm. I I couldn't, I hated it. I could not drink it. If you're a a Kalamazoo person or if you're familiar with the Bell's Beer um, products, um, you might be surprised to know that Expedition Stout is the most bitter beer that they make. And it's a stout that's all, that's pretty sweet, but it's because there's sort of this, like you cover up the bitterness with the sweetness, your mm-hmm. brain doesn't even know what you're doing. And eventually you're back to the lighter bitter beer and you're like, whoa, I don't hate this anymore. Yep. But this New England style is, is the biggest trend right now. And it, it's actually just pulling back on it. Doesn't need to be bitter. It's going for this juicy fruit kind of flavor, and it's I very approachable. It. And I think it's going to be the new sort of gateway thing. People it's are the gonna... new Oberon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that was every every Michigan kid's first craft beer is Oberon. Yeah, for the most part. I'm sure there's exceptions to that. People are going to let me know. But I absolutely love this. I think it's really smooth. It nearly feels like a cocktail. Yeah. Ooh, good stuff. So, Jane, what's next? What's next for you? You and Brian just got married. You spent some we time did. in Seattle for your honeymoon. Yeah. How was that? Oh, it was a wild adventure. It was so much fun. I've I have never been the a uh, well, it, I'm not sure how to say this without sounding like I'm fifteen years old, but <laughs> I uh I've never taken a vacation that I was part of calling the shots. Oh, it, okay. That it, it it's always been like, well, and now we're gonna go to this monument and we're gonna do this mm-hmm. and we're gonna do that. And very family vacation style. Yes, exactly. And Brian and I were just such buddies that it doesn't really matter what we do and so that was kind of off the table. We didn't. It didn't matter if we mm-hmm. were um, doing all the touristic things, which I personally don't even really like, anyways. Mm-hmm. And we just met a lot of people, and then ended up. I 
hanging out with them and going to shows with them and then nice. being with just he and I a lot of times. Eating. So kind of just diving into this, the art scene there. Yeah. Just what and, and you do here, just really finding it there. We we <laughs> ate a lot of really good food. Yeah, it, nice. it was so much fun. And then one night, we um, it was the second night, Brian and I have had this uh, idea of adventure tattoos. Oh, yeah. For a long time that we would have a design and then we would get it while whilst on an adventure and we i always had my design constantly changing it editing it Mm. and brian never knew what he wanted and the adventure was never right and we were eating sashimi and sashimi always turns me into just a mad woman i feel like i can like break down walls and like i'm part spider-man and and i can get a tattoo apparently and then on top of that uh we had a little bit of sake and (laughs) by a little bit also sake might have some of those similar effects (laughs) it was so we were feeling good and I, i i showed him this design and um not even really with the with the idea of the tattoo but i showed him this design and he said oh that looks sweet what if you just took that and flipped it and did the mirror image on the other side it would look like two people holding one another and i i had to get up to use the restroom and he said well i i'd sign off on it right now to get that as a tattoo he said me too and then <laughs> just did it we Fast walk to the nearest place, nearest reputable place, because it was about to close. And it turns out Ed Hardy tattooed there. Eddie Vedder's gotten tattoos there. Holy it's shit. like a really good tattoo parlor. And we made friends with the guy, and then we got tattoos. And then in the morning, we woke up, and we were like, what the fuck did we just do? <laughs> but then we actually really love it. And That's good. That's I, really good. I've, I've um, like nearly... It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I would recommend getting a drunk tattoo to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this, is like the, uh, this is the opposite of 2000s sitcom advice. Yes. Like, where don't, don't ever even think about getting a tattoo or drunk. No, do it. Dive in. Go Just for not it. children. Eat nice. too much. Drink too much. Get yeah. a tattoo. You'll love it. <laughs> do, do everything in moderation. Eat too much. Sometimes, just not all the time. Drink too much sometimes, just not all the time. And get tattoos sometimes, just not all the time. Nice. So that was a lot of fun. And that's a Mm -hmm. wild honeymoon story, I suppose. Nice. That's fun. Um, Nick? Doing anything fun recently? Uh, Nope. Just slowly being crushed by the weight of school and full-time work. uh, Yeah. Me too. And, uh, yeah. Uh, He's currently yeah. sitting under books. They're just piled on top of his head, on yeah. his lap. I have one of those really long mic stands, and I'm just on the floor right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, we. I really would like to record this laying down sometime, especially <laughs> if we're going to do it. This is early in the morning for me because you guys know this, but for those of you who are listening, um, I, I won't get done working until like 3.30 in the morning because I'm going to closing manage a bar and I don't even go to work until 6 today. Mm-hmm. So I woke up at 7 this morning to finish listening to the albums for this because I haven't had a whole lot of time to do anything. Yep. And it's just like, well, it's going to be a really long day. But, yeah. But this is... But you can make it better by subscribing and rating the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only other thing I really have in the in the works right now is possibly another podcast, another uh, 
Well, not another. A rival podcast. A, uh, oh, a uh, Dungeons and Dragons Don't show. Don't like and subscribe. And Don't subscribe. like and subscribe that one. <laughs> yeah. So there, there might be a and d show in the works. That'd be cool. So I um I want to talk about Neo Yokio for just a second. Okay, let's Neo Yokio is that um that anime that the the front man from Vampire Weekend Vampire Weekend like created along with an anime guy and then Jaden Smith plays the main character and mm-hmm. it's about I want to give you a full review, but like I think everyone should watch at least the first three episodes of it because I really I think it's I think it's funny and I do think it's kind of approachable and it's this weird art thing and I've been told it does start to fall off after like episode six, but it's it's about like future aristocracy in a well I guess cur- it's like alternate reality where like Current demons future. invaded in yeah. the 1800s and so. Um, Jaden Smith <laughs> is from a family of like demon slayers, but it's like very much like in an aristocratic life. Like it's, but it's all, it's all very the same, just mm-hmm. fancier New York kind of, and it's all rich people yeah. and, uh, they're, they're going to high society events and then he has to like go kill some demons really quick. And it, but it's not like, but it's not like, thing people, I gotta do. it's not like people appreciate it. It's like. He feels kind of working class because he has yeah. to go do that instead of just having money. But it's all just super like melancholic and and sappy, and he just like is always just. It feels like Jaden Smith tweets, but if they actually made a little like a little sense instead <laughs> of editor. how can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? It's it's more just like, you know, it is the nature of existence to be fleeting. Like I am, mm. like. <laughs> Why would I feel anything when it's just gonna pass? And it's it's super fucking funny for like a little while. And um, my favorite part is he's bringing this girl a, a big Toblerone, and it's 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 like six <laughs> feet long, a giant Toblerone. And then he gets kind of sad, and he's like, "You don't even deserve this big Toblerone." <laughs> I just, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's that's probably the most notable thing that I've oh done pretty God. recently is to see that. I, yeah, I I hadn't tasted on the subject of Toblerones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up in a super super small town, and mm-hmm. things like Toblerone are just small, very normal Seemed things. Fancy and foreign didn't there. exist, and so yeah. when I can, I I've gotten to try a lot of things for the first time as an adult, and Toblerone was one of them. I was yeah. like, okay, okay, nice. I, I can, I can get down with some Toblerone, and I also appreciate something that is not mm-hmm. like a Snickers. It's kind of like one size; you kind of got to eat it all, and people look at you weird if you got like put back half your yeah. Snickers. But you can take a piece of a Toblerone, and nobody judges. Nice this week. You can to share you by it. Toblerone. <laughs> you, it, it's hard to share yeah. a Snickers with mm-hmm. friends. You know what's funny about that is they make those <laughs> giant ones that are like a foot long, and they're like, yeah, cut it up and share it with your friends. And it's like, yeah, I'm gonna get my chef's knife. Yeah, I mean, and I'm gonna <laughs> cut chunks out of this Snickers bar. <laughs> Like no, like yeah. a casserole or some <laughs> shit. Like. Oh my gosh! Oh. Yeah, I actually I like oh. the dark chocolate Toblerones. I got I like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate I, I actually rules. have been. Um, mm-hmm. I think something that kind of propelled me into craft beer a little faster was that I have been eating like bitter stuff. I've yeah. really enjoyed bitter and tart flavors my whole life. Things that people kind of shy away from. So mm-hmm. I don't really know where it started. Maybe I was bad at making lemonade and like it was really tart, but I was going to drink it anyway. I I was actually curious about that. I was starting to, when you were talking about the flavor profile of beer Mm -hmm. and um, 
things that are bitter, it really made me think like, okay, so I'm, I'm thinking of Passover, bitter herbs, okay, mm -hmm. so horseradish, but then I don't know many things that I would describe as bitter and not sour. So I'm trying to think of what um, things are actually My go-to separation for bitter and sour is um, like grapefruit, grapefruit rind, the, the, the pith, mm -hmm. right? The white part, mm -hmm. that's very bitter. Mm -hmm. um, a lemon, the actual fruit of the lemon is mm -hmm. very sour, but less bitter. Okay. Um, people do, I've noticed, kind of tend to struggle with the difference in flavors there. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people tell you that a lemon's bitter. A lemon's really sour. Yeah. But if you, yeah, if you grab the pith off of a grapefruit that, like, sort of clenches your mouth, that's very bitter. Because when you first said that, I was thinking about, um, mm -hmm. I wonder if it's actually a a good thing if parents give their babies those lemons because it makes them it, at a young age it gets them ripe to like ipas <laughs> but then <laughs> well i would be so the thing is but then i thought that's not actually bitter that's sour so what the, is bitter the general the general actually applicable thing for parents with is like your kids should experience more flavors when they're younger just mm -hmm. if Unless, um, like, I guess it really doesn't matter, but, like, there are people who never break out of, like, traditional, let's go, American classic food, right? It's, like, yeah. burger and fries. That's all actually pretty. Those are bland flavors. Yeah. It's, like, umami and salty, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. I, I think it's a great experience to be able to enjoy food from different cultures, but if your kids never experience, and it, it doesn't even matter as much what the different flavors are, mm -hmm. but just break the mold every now and then and you can appreciate tasting new things instead of being scared by it. Yeah. And there's a physical part there too where your body learns to taste new things without it being this immediate like, whoa, yeah. was that curry? Yeah. No way. <laughs> like, was that, yeah, like, did that have something besides salt and pepper on it? Yeah. Fuck that. Like. I, I have a friend who, she wasn't even allowed to have salt in her household. And is she is, uh, she she can't take anything spicy. Black pepper is too spicy. My grandma had one spice in the house, and it was salt. And and, and, what <laughs> and is, I don't and, think you can call it a spice. No, it's I'm actually sorry. not. It's a flavor enhancer. <laughs> but with salt, but the thing is, you can grow taste blind to salt really easily. Yeah. And so it should like salt the hell out of things, like salt pre-salted fast food fries. Yeah. Like, oh, things like yeah. that like because if that's the only thing you're using you have to keep amping it up to actually yeah. be able to taste it and it's like eventually you're just just put, drinking salt water yeah, just on put the side salt and pepper like and maybe add pepper that's a that good first step and then maybe hypertension yeah maybe some cumin eventually <laughs> yeah and we'll start talking with white pepper and like these these savory spices yeah i i was really thankful for that that my mom was a, an endless cycle of odd foods. Mm -hmm. and that, uh, we never, and there was always just kind of arbitrary rules that mm -hmm. were in the house of like, and now we eat with chopsticks, and yeah. then we did. It's the most for years. I think I think for for a, a child, it's the most controlled way to introduce this idea of not being afraid of new experiences. Yeah, because definitely. you can't like you know you can't let's go skydiving, right? You can't mm -hmm. like do stuff like that all the time. But what you can is like. This is. Let's go skiing. This Let's... is what they eat 
here and mm-hmm. like people do like and like you gotta start that earlier because be like but i just want chicken fingers with ketchup and it's like you don't know what you want <laughs> you haven't tasted yeah. this yet you little like, shit you don't know what you want <laughs> i find it weird that, 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 that people um so as as all of us are individuals with different flavors I always find it weird when people attribute the same character trait to a mass amount of people. And I think it's odd that we assume all that children want are chicken tenders. (laughs) Because it's kind of, as a child that didn't like chicken tenders, Mm -hmm. it was constantly forced on me that I must because I'm a a child. Right. And I, I would go to McDonald's and I would be totally lost because... All of that stuff was like, I don't know what I'm going to eat here because um, I yeah. I just, it, it seemed weird to me. I was like, the mm. chicken's weird. Speaking of McDonald's, if you're balling on a budget, McDonald's new <laughs> buttermilk crispy tenders. And, and I am I am not ashamed to say this. Look, I want to like, try it. I like, I like fancy food. It's an expensive hobby. So I'll, I'll eat really <laughs> nice stuff and then really cheap shit. And like, <laughs> I, I just don't do the middle ground. There's no like going out and not getting something great and spending mm-hmm. more than you need to. I try and like really just stratify it as hard as possible yes. to either nice or cheap. Buttermilk crispy tenders at McDonald's <laughs> are great. I, I want to give it a it's try. So, it's honestly like I'm gonna I'm not gonna order like breaded fried chicken anywhere <laughs> because I know I know that McDonald's can do it better. It's like Have you tried Happy's pizza wings. I have not. I, I've oh, had what pizza wings? What? What is <laughs> no, 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 wait, no, 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 no. What is pizza? <laughs> what is a pizza wing? It's one of there the things a, that, that at Home Shake had. There was a, there was a Happy's Pizza in my hometown that got shut down because it was a money laundering front, which Dude, made sense. Oh, sure. Arby's, Happy's there was pizza. an Arby's that was like that. Happy's Pizza's menu is is not just pizza. <laughs> it's pizza and then like a full barbecue joint menu yeah. and then like a full chicken and fish joint menu like and salads all on the same menu. It's like 60 things and no one was ever at this Happy's Pizza. And it makes mm-hmm. sense. I was like, how do they how do they do all of this and it's because it was money laundering. What all yes. it all makes sense when you look at ha- the Happy's Pizza logo, which is essentially <laughs> Just a, a, a blissed out, choked up, like, Pac-Man. He's yeah. not a serious businessman. He's down to party. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, I guarantee you the first draft of, like, the Happy's Pizza logo dude had, had like, red veins in his eyes because he was just so far gone. Oh, like, yeah. the needle was in his arm on the first edition. <laughs> well, it's, oh, been, it's, it's been great chatting, but I think we're at about time. We got to cut this thing. <laughs> So um, we've come to the kind of plug section of the show. So, Jane, you probably have the most to plug, so we're going to go to you last. Nick, anything coming up we should keep an eye out for? Uh, that D&D podcast might be coming out soon. Nice. Um, I'm probably starting on Monday going to start doing some um, early, not photography, but some early um, like video footage for my senior project at school, which is a short film that I'm going to be writing and producing and Nice. Shooting and doing all the music for, and mm-hmm. God, this is going to be a hard thing to do. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've got going on right now. Nice. Where, where will we be able to see it? Yeah. 
Uh, it's probably not going to be done until um, the end of the spring semester. <laughs> okay, so, so it, I, I'm shooting it. So in nine months, look out for Nick's yeah, project. Yeah, I'm going to be talking. Every time you ask me about, uh, to talk about that. stuff to plug, I'm going to be like, well, I'm still making this movie. <laughs> I'm still doing this one really time and labor intensive <sighs> thing. Uh, I mean, I've got the script partially done. Um, yeah, it'll be out probably in the spring. I might, I might cut together a trailer when I have footage for it. I don't know. We'll see. Nice. Um, I don't have a ton coming up. Just finished a few things. But uh, I do have... It doesn't have a title yet, but I'm working on a format for an open interview podcast where for um, pretty much by Kalamazoo for Kalamazoo. So it won't be super interesting if you're not around here, but uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, More details on that to come. Um, I do want to plug this show just once more. You're already listening, mm-hmm. but find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Please like, please subscribe. If you could give us a rating and a review, that would be sweet. That's really the best thing. If you want to show support, that's really the best thing you can do for us, the most we're going to ask from you. Um, Jane, what's going on with you? What's coming up for the band and the other projects? Well, we have some shows that we are excitedly releasing. Um, one will be released this week and mm. all of our shows are going to be available on our facebook page um instagram twitter all of those and well most of our show dates cannot be released just yet because we haven't released them ourselves but the um the first of december we're going to be in hamtramck which i'm really excited about and with the imagery of our shows coming up in december we we got to do all the graphics for them and they are themed and they give away a um i'm thinking of how to say this they 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 are themed and they give away the overall reason behind the shows and what's coming next nice sweet so they 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 hint (laughs) they were super fun to make because brian and i just hang out and make graphics together and it's pretty fun nice well i think um i think that's gonna do it for us here um i'm andrew j pytel i'm nick lancaster i'm jane spencer and this has been something old something new something borrowed and something brewed and we'll see you next time we should really have like an outro like a tagline out